Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Terrell Stoglin, former Tucson local Maryland basketball player, subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. I suppose we got to open the curtains. Ed Reed, I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. I'm putting my heart into this shit, dog. I'm hurt. Long story short, the NCAA has said that there will be no fans allowed in stadiums during NCAA tournament games. Fellas, I am downtrodden. Uh, I'm dumbfounded. Crowds are essential to the game, but they're also essential to the namesake of this program, and that's theater. If theater was a pool the crowd would be chlorine. If theater was a table, the crowd would be the legs. If theater was Nicki Minaj, the crowd would be the caboose. 
Longtime listener and friend of the program, Brendan O'Rourke, asked, is there even theater without the crowd? And to that, I say no. But I'll open it up to you guys first. Is there theater sans crowd? Um, is this a, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it even make a sound type of question? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just goes without saying extremely disappointed. This is, uh, this is very sad. And you know, like the CBI has been canceled now too. Not that we care or give a shit about that. I don't even, is the CBI even on TV? I don't know, but I think it's quite the um, decision here for over what I think is, I don't want to say nothing, but uh, like right now as this show is going on, uh, 1,200 total people in the country have been infected with the coronavirus. That's like not even the amount of media that goes into like one arena during this. I don't know, you know, uh what what is what is theater without the crowd? I guess it's just uh, like is the tournament just like a high school play now? Essentially, is that what the? But see that even that is still theater. I don't even know what to describe this. Shark, can you help us out? It's not theater. It sucks. I I can't even put together words related to this right now. Um, I don't want to comment on whether it was the right decision or not, because the whole idea is, you know, we're, you know, they're, they're trying to protect people. So sometimes you got to make the hard decision for other individuals, which I understand you don't want old, old people in uh, arenas where you may not know that you have the virus. You're passing it to this guy who can handle the virus, but that guy ends up passing it to some guy that can't handle the virus. And next thing you know, people are dying. I get it. You got to make a tough decision once in a while. But from our perspective, you know, it sucks. I, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like on TV where I can hear Bruce Pearl screaming pretty clearly. And I can hear so many different basketball shoes squeaking. It's it's going to remove all of the theater from everything, which removes the whole point of this podcast. I don't even want to do this podcast. You know, That's true. It sucks. Rip you by the collar to, to get in this video chat. Yeah, I, it blows, man. I, I think back to, I don't know if you guys, whenever you, Sub, I know you don't play video games, but playing video games growing up, I would dive into like a Madden season and just uh, live in this world where I'm oh, in charge yeah. of a team and build them up and learn who the third string outside linebacker is and hopefully give them an opportunity two years into it. Go like 10 years deep, whether it's NCAA football, college basketball, uh, all those games. Get so involved. And then at some point, like the actual football season ends or the actual college uh, NBA season ends or whatever it is, and then you look at your game and you're like, eh, I don't really want to play anymore. So who cares about all this time I invested and all this effort I cared about, you know, Jared Davis, who I drafted in the sixth round out of Western Kentucky a long time ago for the Washington Redskins that led me to two Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. All right. Because that happened 10 years ago and it wasn't real. So I'm sitting here at this point right now where all these shows that we've done, all the shits I've given about, um, you know, Oregon or Seton Hall or whether or not freaking Tennessee is going to get into the tournament. It's all leading to just me watching some shitty game at four o'clock on Thursday 
where there's six people in there. And again, I don't blame people for having that decision. It, it is what it is. Sometimes we got to live. And these are definitely first world problems. All right. We're all going to be okay. We're all, everybody's happy. We live in a great country. It's all great, but it can still suck at the same time. That's how I feel. I think that's very well put. And there's no sound better than under two minutes in March in a random arena in like Des Moines, Iowa, when a 15 or a 14 seed point guard white guy hits a three and the net ripples and then you get like a raftery or a Nance call and then the crowd just crescendos and it's at its apex scream. Like we all love those YouTube videos or those live videos that come out. Like we'll watch the games on TV, but then two minutes, three minutes afterwards, we get those court reactions or we get like on or on court level type of videos and the crowd just goes insane. I mean, wh- what are we going to get now? So I used to think that the crowd in the tournament wasn't that like, I used to have no desire to go to games. I used to be like, all right, I'll just watch it on my couch. I'm good. Now it's nice to see the, when you can kind of catch it in the bottom left of your screen or the bottom of your screen or the top of the screen, when you can see this, the section stand up for a big defensive stop or they're like, there's a run going and you can see a section rise. Like that's cool to see on TV. I used to not care so much about the actual environment until I went to one. And I brought, I talked about this on the show before when I went to Louisville last year for Tennessee and Purdue, it was one of the coolest sporting events I've ever been to. And I said, anytime my team is playing in, you know, a second round, I'm going to go to that game, you know, come hell or high water because that experience was awesome. You have completely split arenas filled to the brim, the Yum Center in Louisville, um, incredible game and just the, the back and forth, not knowing who, who is completely taking over the, the space uh, the, and kind of competing for who has more fans there. It's great. And you have a city divided. It's an incredible experience. And I get how we can't have that right now. So, I'm kind of looking at this, and Taylor, you can keep me honest here. I'm looking at this almost like the adjustments and the tweaks that the NBA and Adam Silver did to the All-Star game because this past All-Star game was a new format, and it was amazing. The fourth quarter was fantastic, and it absolutely exceeded our expectations. Now, the All-Star game in previous years in some people's eyes was already bad, so they made it better. The NCAA tournament, we can all agree, is a flawless product. We know that this is going to be a worse viewing experience than what we've experienced every single year prior to this. But, Taylor, is there any chance that maybe watching the game, our expectations are so incredibly low that it's not going to be that terrible of a viewing experience? Is there any chance? Well, I think the the only solace that we have is – well, it's not up to us, but hopefully what we'll be able to hear as big time or diehard college basketball fans is a lot of the coaching, a lot of the players talking to each other, um, more like in-depth stuff. A lot like we talked about uh, on that. What was that? Sh- um, who played a couple weeks ago when they were they showed like the in the locker room stuff and on the uh, on the Penn course. State, Illinois. Right, and we talked about how cool that was, and we made a we made a, a vehement point about how we wouldn't want it in a like tournament atmosphere or a game on the line. We wanted it just for like a one-off during the year. Well, we may have jinxed ourselves that because we're going to essentially get that every single game. Uh, someone, not myself, but someone on Twitter brought up a good point that uh, there's actually probably going to be a lot 
of issues with the broadcast because a there's going to be no like establishing shots or anything like that throughout the entire broadcast there's going to, there's going to be nothing to look at uh b there's going to be a lot of audio that the players say a lot of audio that the players are going to say that's going to need to be edited out of the broadcast on local tv there's going to be a lot of fucks yelled out there that you normally can't hear during a, a, a normal broadcast because the crowd is too loud, especially if there's nothing else going on in the arena. So that'll be interesting. Uh, it'll what be about play calls too? You got to well, yeah, think about no, that. Coaching like, all of it. Yeah, right. You'll be able to hear play calls in crucial right. crunch time minutes. Well, one thing I instantly thought of, and this isn't necessarily what everyone thinks of, but a lot of people do is, uh, you know, how does it affect like the betting? So, you can always tell when a like you're saying a, a an upset team or an upset minded team is going on a run and the crowd gets behind them you say okay yeah i can bet this from here in a lot of live betting scenarios where which has become extremely popular now if the game is delayed by literally like 10 20 seconds rather than the normal like 3 to 5 that's not going to be applicable anymore uh I mean, we could probably go through a thousand of thousand issues uh, as to what this is going to cause. But I, I think that the the positives we'll have is we might get a, a good uh, insight into how the game actually works. Each and every play, each and every switch. The problem is, is I just don't want that right now. I, I want that in November. I just don't want it right now. So you just I guess you just all about your perspective of, OK, we're going to find it. Uh, interesting in a different way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and I can't wait for some college basketball hardo or just any basketball hardo on Twitter to try and say that, oh, if you don't like competitive basketball, it shouldn't matter who's in the arena and who's not. You know that's going to come on Twitter, some purist going going with that angle. But I will say, uh, you bring up a good point. This very well may impact, and this is going to be selfish. No one really gives a shit. But this is going to impact bracket picking, in my opinion. Right, Shark, does this, for me at least, I think I might lean to more towards Chalk because those underdogs aren't going to have the backing of the crowd, which provides them a little bit more juice. Shark, do you think this is going to impact your bracket picking at all? Yeah, it will um, because, you know, underdogs often they feed off of the momentum aspect of it. I, I appreciate Taylor trying to find the silver lining of something here, like kind of boiling it down to the purity of the game, but. I mean, I can't even find any sort of uh, positive light out of this thing right here. I think it, I think it's just going to suck, really. My, if you were asking me if I was in charge of the NCAA, I'd say, all right, let's just close up shop for about three weeks and let's let's do this tournament in three weeks. Why not? Why not that? We got nothing else going on in May. Uh, maybe we can get some containment on this thing, like the other countries have, and you know, we could just do it then. I, I don't see an issue with that. I'm a, I can I can wait three weeks. The, the, the part of the, what's great about the tournament is the hope, you know, just like looking forward to something, nothing better than looking forward to something, slugging the hours, wherever you work, uh, chopping wood, doing what you have to do, but having something at the end of that tunnel that you're aspiring to. Could well, be, you know, it, yeah, it, it's interesting because we're actually going to get a dry run, uh, so to speak tonight when this podcast airs, it, the warriors are playing the nets, I believe on TNT in an empty oh, yeah. arena. So we're going to get uh, a kind of a dry run on how this is going to work. Now that might be, if, if I'm going to try and find the silver lining, 
the TNT is who has the rights to the broadcasts for the NCAA tournament, along with CBS and Herbal Turner Broadcasting as a whole. The, the fact that the they get to shoot an NBA game in the same atmosphere is is maybe a, a way to figure out how they might uh, work some other shit in there. I, I don't know, but yeah. uh, I mean, I guess they might have a, a, a dry run at figuring out how it's going to work. You know, bless your heart, Taylor. This plays so well into your persona, especially as it pertains to fandom. You're the eternal optimist. I got to side with Shark, though. I think this is Oh, yeah. Stink. No, no I, I agree. I think but you no, asked, I, I mean, you asked see, me I to see, find the silver I, I lining, okay? That. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But, but uh, Sue, let me, let me answer your original question because I went off on a tangent there related to how this affects brackets and, you know, who you're going to pick and all that crap. Um Yes, generally, like when you uh, remove all the bullshit, you just go on a court, you'd expect the team with the better players to win without the pressure of having a crowd or getting behind and having the neutral fans turn against you. Um, The one caveat to that would be what, you know, a lot of times, a lot of these guys that are higher seeds, they get the benefit of playing closer to where they're from. So they're going to miss out on whatever. I know it's not even a home court advantage, but less travel to the place. So if I'm looking for anything right there, but generally I'm, I'm going to expect the better teams to perform better. Um, and yeah. Be more chalky out there. Yeah. I mean, I Duke typically always plays in their backyard first couple rounds. Uh, you look at some other teams, even SDSU, right? They are very well lined up to be the number two seed in the West and I think the the Sweet 16 Elite Eight games are going to be played in Staples Center. That's only, what, an hour and a half away from campus. So they're going yeah, to be that on matters that matters well. because Yeah, traditionally that matters because you have your, your home base. Is already, no, I'm with you. Know, yeah, yeah, but it could be somewhat slight of an advantage of, you know what, I'm at school right now. I don't have to get on a plane to travel to this freaking game. I can get on a, gray, a bus and just drive over there, and you know my, my apartment's not too far from here. So let me go the opposite direction here. This is still kind of being optimistic, but let me just throw another angle out at you. Okay, so we keep thinking about how the small schools are the one that needs the crowds to be with them. What if you took the angle of saying that the big schools aren't going to get amped up for these games at all either? And that might be the way that a small school picks off a big school like that because there's no excitement of the crowd. Because, like you said, you know, a Duke game, a North Carolina game, or well, not North Carolina this year, but those, when they play in the Greensboro Coliseum every goddamn year, for some reason, they've there's fourteen thousand Duke fans there. Same with like in Arizona, you go to Staples Center, there's twelve thousand Arizona fans there, and six thousand of the other fans sprinkled in. So maybe the big schools who are always have that crowd behind them. Whereas like the Hofstras of the world who never have anybody in their crowd anyway, maybe this is making them feel more at home. Maybe yeah, this is a, maybe this is an advantage to them. Yeah, I mean, at least for one tournament, we're not going to be able to hear about how well Big Big Blue Nation travels. I mean, maybe we'll still have to endure that. But I mean, I see what you're saying. But even those one sixteen matchups, two fifteens at, at like one, two, three p.m., those are kind of sparse crowds anyway in the first round, round of 32. And then once you get to the second weekend, it's going to be on and popping pretty much, right? You should be able you, – you're pretty much saying to yourself, all right, now I'm two wins away from a Final Four. So I, I see what you're saying to an extent, but I already think that the first round and the round of 32 are kind of sparse crowds as it is and are 
I don't know. They're they're easier crowds to play in front of. Let's say for a Louisville as opposed to going to Cameron or as sure. opposed to going to UVA or something like that, right? So here's a question for you guys. Then now it's this becomes personal preference. All right, you have your tickets booked. Your hotel is booked. You may or may not be able to get out of it. Do you still go to the town and go to a bar in that town to watch the game? Yeah, why not? Well, yeah, I don't. That's what I'm I mean, like, assuming it's not refundable, I mean, you might as well go and say it, so you can tell the story some 20 years later. You know, I, I, I took, I, I went out there anyways on the Corona tournament, and uh, I watched it at some jerk offs bar, and my team lost, and I went home, and it was the worst trip I ever had. That's a story. I'd, I'd roll with that story, but yeah. if you're already booked, you might as well embrace it. Yeah, go sample the local fare. Why not? So, what's the over under on number of Corona commercials we're going to see during the tournament? Do you think they just jam it down our throats, the Corona does, or do you think that they try and stay away? I'll, I think they're going to stay away. You know who's going to emerge as a big player in the commercial market is Modelo. Have we d- launched an investigation into the competitors of Corona like Modelo? I mean, if you're not waging biological warfare on your competitor, are you really even competing? So honestly, hat tip to Modelo if they're the brains behind this whole operation. How about Purell or Lysol? I think this whole thing's perpetuated by big, big antiseptic. <laughs> I guess well, some thing. before before the show, we did talk about how people are going to exploit this for financial gain, and in ten years, there's going to be a big short esque movie about this. I, I can almost guarantee that. You know how the cliche thing nowadays is: all oh, that thirty for thirty is going to be sick. Promise you, there's going to be a big short type movie in ten years about the coronavirus. It's like. Coney 2012, pretty much, is how I feel about it. Coroni 2012. Mix those two together. Wow. Yeah, just rolled into a decade of bullshit. So what a year. What a year or 12 months for the NCAA, by the way. Just FBI bullshit all over the place. Now we're not even having an NCAA tournament. Mark Emmert really having a hell of a year. Some of it his fault, some of it not, obviously. But boy, what a from an outside perspective, as a casual, if you were a casual fan who thought like, oh, the players need to be paid, all that type of stuff, you got to be thinking like, are we going to go make these players travel across the country too in front of no fans? I don't know. There's, it's, it's not a good look. Is no doubt whether it's their fault or not. Well, I would even take it a step further. The American basketball versus China has had its relationship strained. If you go all the way back to LeBron James, Daryl Morey. Yeah. Oh, there you go. (laughs) If you go back to LeBron James, Daryl Morey, that whole thing with China. And then now the, the coronavirus, essentially take not allowing fans to come into the stadiums. I mean, that's a budding rivalry if you think about it. So, I mean, and here's the other thing, shark, you laughed and you were disgusted quite honestly with my comparison about 40 days and 40 nights last episode. Tell me this isn't exactly that we're going to get the tournament knock on wood. We're going to get this tournament, but with no fans. So we're going to get that nut. It might be the worst March nut of your entire life though. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm still down in the dumps. I don't even want to. I told you last episode, I don't want to go back to that metaphor, and I certainly don't want to go back to it right now. All I can really just say is 
whatever. <laughs> so I've never seen. I'd like to say I've I've known the shark now for about what seventeen years. Would you say seventeen years or so? I've and this is one of the most upbeat, chipper, positive people, deluded people as well. But that is what he's been beaten down by his professional teams, by his college teams. A lot of turmoil in sports for the shark. I've never seen him this downtrodden and defeated. And I don't blame him. I don't blame you. No, man. This this, this is the event for me each year. I, I care deeply about it. We were, we were going to go into our bracket etiquette next week and talk about how much prep we put into it and our routines and all that. I got a hell of a routine that goes into how, how serious I take this. So it's going to suck now because I know it's not going to get to the same level that it's been. But I, this is, you know, you want me to take one positive? I, as I, I kind of pick myself up off the ground here. If I'm taking one positive out of this thing, I'm telling you right now, as we record this show, what do we got? March 11th here? 2021 tournament. I'm going nuts. I'm appreciating everything. I'm recording every single game. I don't care if it's 16 seed Hampton versus one seed Boston College. I'm recording that whole thing, and I'm watching the 37-point blowout. I'm watching every single game. I'm going to my team's games. No matter where they are, they can be in freaking Bismarck, South Dakota. I'll go there. All right. I'm North Dakota. North Dakota. Helena, Montana. I'll go to a Dakota. I will go to a Dakota, and I will go where it takes for me to appreciate the most pure sporting event that we have in this country. This this seems like it could be the start of like a boys' trip a yearly annual boys trip to one NCAA tournament game because it all stemmed from that one year where it got taken away from us. Have we been, have we been taking this for granted? Cause Taylor, you and I have never been to an NCAA tournament game. Shark, you did last Wait, year. What? You were at an NCAA tournament game. I've been to like five. Oh, the final I've, four. Actually. I've been to yeah. final four. I've been to multiple elite eights. I've been to regional sites. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, then maybe I've just been taking it for granted. Find some yeah. positivity out of this, you know, realize how much it means to you. And uh, what's the happy Gilmore when he's taking the no, Billy Madison, when he takes the fat kid and he's shaking his cheeks and he says, cherish, cherish it. Do that to the tournament. All right. So tweet that out with your gift. Get that fat chick, hug the cheeks. That's what we have to do to this tournament. They, uh, it's, it's definitely a, they paved paradise and put up a parking lot. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Situation I, here. I just, I just buried that with a Billy Madison fat kid cheeks thing, and then you got to go quote that song right there afterwards. Come I on, mean, Taylor. It's it's applicable. Come on, man. Don't let this divide the group. So can I let Shark just because he's the most downtrodden of us three? I think. Can I let him talk about Miles Powell winning Big East Player of the Year? Not that. I don't care. Like, <laughs> Come on. I, it doesn't matter. Like what sucks is like guys like Miles Powell now, right? This guy's busting his ass all year. He's having a historic season. It's the best seat season in Seton Hall in their last 30 years. And now his reward is I'm going to play in a big East tournament with nobody in Madison square garden. And then I'm going to go play in a tournament when there's going to be nobody. Uh, I'm going to be playing in some high school gym outside of Atlanta for the, in the final four. Like that sucks. He grew up watching great players like Kemba and Shabazz and, um, you know, throw in another one that played the same position as him around the same time that he would have been a kid watching the games. And, 
it it really is unfortunate. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of a good guard that would have done it, like uh, Edgar Sosa, maybe would, would have been in that realm. Uh, what other guards took over in that? Uh, Jalen Brunson, maybe, but no, no, Brunson, no. Brunson was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, but Powell would have been in high school. Regardless, I feel your hurt, Father. I do. So let me interject with me. I thought I meant to bring up here earlier. What about free throws here in the tournament? No distractions now. This is straight up. No, that's up. even worse. Yeah, that's think? way worse. You think it's going to be worse? Okay. A stone cold. That's like ear. They've never practiced that. They've yeah, never awesome. practiced that. Not even at practice. Like in the gym, you got voices and stuff going on. No, it right. definitely sucked. I I was a pretty knockdown free throw shooter in high school when there's like not a lot of people shooting. But now when I play in Equinox and there's nobody there, I suck at free throws. So why, I, it's a deadhead silent. Yeah. So why I, I bring know, this man. up why I bring this up is there's a team that just qualified for the tournament last night in North Dakota State University, speaking of the Dakotas who's the leading free throw shooting team in the country at 80% would be a good pick if you didn't think that a zero or that uh, a no one in the crowd would be effective or, or, or affecting their free throw shooting. We, the, that, that's more of like the next week bracket. How do you pick your team situation, but might be applicable to our discussion here now. Is the band allowed to come? The reason I asked that is because you know how there's always that one shriek in the, in the crowd, someone to a fan too close to the microphone. Like, can we get a trumpet player playing like one really quick note when the guy's about to shoot a free throw? Is the I mean these are all, these are all variables that are in play. I'm I'm searching Twitter right now to see if bands are coming or not. Definitely a good question. And Taylor, as you were talking about that, I started thinking teams I might want to fade are the ones that are good because of um, like players that just go on absolute heat checks. You know that feed off of crowd energy or uh, crowd hatred. And like, I honestly think Miles Powell is one of those guys that he, he's a very streaky player that, that feeds off of the energy in the gym. I don't know how up he can get himself. I'll have to watch the big East this weekend to do some, it's like I'm scouting in a whole new world out here right now. It is, you know, which team and which player just off the top of my mind, it came, it came to me, which team and which player I would like, if it was normal, I would have taken them to like the elite eight or sweet 16, but under these circumstances, I'd have them losing in the first round because of this one player. It's Marshall Henderson and Ole Miss. I'm trying to picture Marshall Henderson in this type of environment. And I'm picturing him going one of eight with like four points, all at full or two, two points and then two free throws. You know who I think is going to thrive in this environment and, They've kind of been uh, struggling down the stretch here, but this might be perfect for them. Nice, quiet gym. Uh, a unassuming great player is Iowa. Luca Garza will probably be just pound the shit out of people down low, and then they have a bunch of knockdown shooters on the outside. So I, I am rewiring my mind right now to look for teams and offenses like that, but I'm automatically thinking Iowa might have a better chance where they're not going to shit themselves playing against a team that's bringing heat. Quite literally the epitome of back to the drawing board. Yeah. So I'm finding here that the Big 12 is not going to have, also not going to have anybody for their tournament. Um, But bands are. All the conference. Yeah. They're all doing it right now. Well, but bands are not included in the Big 12, is what I'm getting at. Okay. So um, the other thing, too, is that they are finding a place to play. And this may have gone without saying, or Subi, you may have led with this somewhere. I may have missed it, but 
they're trying to find uh, an alternative stadium other than Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta to play the Final Four. But it's still going to be in Atlanta? Where the players play, yes. Um, they are not going to play it in a football stadium, which makes complete sense because why would you do a whole stadium uh, for no reason? So they're looking at uh, the Highlight Factory where the Hawks play there as well as Georgia Tech's arena. What a weird highlight this is going to be in, uh, you know, when you look back at this at ESPN Classic. The, the 2020 Final Four played at Georgia Tech. <laughs> or wherever they decide to play it. Dude, it's it's just going to go back to the old days, right? Like all of those tournaments in the 80s and the 90s that were played in these small-ass gyms and these local college gyms. So, Oh, go further back than that. You know, not I, I know we'll get to our, our, our This Week in Theater where we have a, an extremely exciting uh, moment to go over. Uh, but today, or as we're recording this, uh, March 11th is the anniversary of the first publicly played basketball game ever in 1892. So it's kind of uh, bittersweet that that today is also the announcement that the, the the tournament will be played in front of less fans than the actual first public basketball game played in Springfield, Massachusetts. A, a dark day here for Titch. Uh, hopefully, this upcoming interview here with JD can actually cheer up, cheer us up, bring our spirits in. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring in JD Wise. All right, we now welcome to the program former Wisconsin basketball player JD Wise. And JD, your Badgers have made a serious run here as of late and clinched the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. As an alum, was there any point at all in this season? I know we were discussing it right before the show, but was there any point at all where you thought, yeah, these guys are going to be Big Ten champs? First off, appreciate you guys having me. Great seeing your faces again. I uh, love that you guys are doing this, by the way. Um, to answer your question, the, I I personally had a couple of doubts. There was some turmoil. Obviously, we were all like um, – there's an additional kind of um, – motivation for the team to win given the things that happened with coach Moore early on in the season there's that like do it for coach Moore type of vibe that was going on um but there seemed to be a little bit of turmoil internally folks transferring um you know didn't necessarily have all the pieces in that first 10 games um so yeah there were there were a couple of there were a couple of doubts but at the end of the day you know we're badgers man we persevere we figure shit out and we get it done you know, I hope you know how big it is of us to bring in a Wisconsin Badger onto this program, given the, sure. given our history together. I'm sure. I'm sure. I was actually gonna. Uh, I was gonna strategically place in how U of A women love Wisconsin men more than they love uh, U of A men, given our our basketball history. But uh, thank you. Wow. For so that me. so that took a minute and twenty nine <laughs> seconds. All right. Great. That's a that's a new record for a guest putting us down. I think so. <laughs> hey, man, we're relying on you for the content right now. So, yeah, for better or for worse, I guess. But I guess my question would be: Is you brought it up? Do you do you know anything about like the Kobe King transfer? Or, you know, I'm not sure how much how many people you know still in the program, or do you have any thoughts on on that? Because I know there was a lot. There was a couple. I don't want to call them allegations. I don't know what the way to put it is in there, you know, with the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, do, do you know anything more about that? Or I, I've never met Kobe. Um, I followed his, like the tail end of his college career. Once I found out he committed to Wisconsin, I'm super excited that we were getting him, we were getting him into the program. 
Um, outside of that, I've never had – I don't really know his experience there. It seems as if he's still close with a lot of the team. He just didn't feel that the program was a fit for him, which it's not a fit for everybody, and that's all right. You know, you got to do what's best for you and figure out what's going to make you happy and figure out what's going to make you – or think do what you think is going to make you most successful. So, um, you know, I support, I support the young brother and his future endeavors, and uh, um, I just wish the best for him. So the big news of the day today has been the coronavirus. NCAA is going to be disallowing fans to go into March Madness games. And so we've been pretty sad. What are your whole thoughts on uh, what's happened, the fallout of the coronavirus, and just general thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, even in, in business, it's nuts because a lot of uh, I have a couple of conferences that just recently were supposed to have like 70 to 80,000 people at them. And now they've just been completely canceled. So um, it's, it's had a massive impact. But uh, on a basketball front or just for, for the as far as the tournament goes, I think it's going to really force people to self-motivate to a point at a point. Sorry, uh, to a level where they don't typically have to. And what I mean by that is. You know, typically, even if you have a tournament game, um, even if you have a, like North Carolina has a tournament game in uh, a nearby city or like um, some rinky dink ass city in the state of North Carolina, a majority of the the uh, alumni and the majority of the student body are going to travel for that game. And it's essentially going to be a home game for those folks. I think you're going to actually see. That like, you're gonna see more of a mano to mano, like how do we actually rally around each rally around each other, and how do we actually find that fire to to beat folks head up, as opposed to relying on that some of those essentially home court advantages that you would typically receive as a as a higher seed. So um, I'm excited to see what happens. Obviously, the NCAA doesn't give a shit because they they make all their money off of advertisements and TV contracts anyway. So a couple of folks not being in the stands is going to impact them too much. But for the players, I think it's just going to you got to take the mentality back to the AAU days, where it's just the parents and uh, the parents and the staff in the gym. You got to make you got to get it done. So projecting a little bit forward to your college days, there can you remember a time? probably on the road, but obviously, you know, you went to a very major school. Can you remember a time or maybe what was like the smallest crowd you played in front of that you can remember when, when you were at Wisconsin? Oh my goodness. Uh, smallest crowd that we played in front of. I can't, nothing is, I don't necessarily remember a, a small crowd ever that comes, that comes to, that comes to mind really. JD's too big time, man. Everyone comes. Well, out. I know. I mean, yeah, I, mean I know. I know. You I mean, know. Played, I, played, played in front of is a stretch, and is a stretch uh, in itself, anyway. Appeared, <laughs> appeared in front of. Appeared in front of. Put yourself in front of collect, these collect, people. Collectively showed up in front of is uh, right. more of a, <laughs> more of what I was going for. Well, so did you graduate and leave the year after they made the Final Four, or were you on that Final Four team? No man, they uh they scrapped the dead weight a year ahead of time, and then uh the following year they made the final four, and then the year after that they uh they got to they made it to the final uh where we lost to Duke. We know where they went. Don't worry, we know where they went. Both, both those years, okay. My, my, <laughs> I was at both of those games, by the way. Yeah, me too, uh, dog. Me too. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, the what were we talking about the the final four teams. Yeah, I uh, I like to I like to think that a lot of us played a part in kind of 
raising up those young fellas. We saw them when they were young seeds. They had a ton of potential. We knew that we had an awesome recruiting class with like Sam Decker in it. We knew Frank was going to be good from early, uh, early on. Uh, we knew, sorry, Kaminsky was going to be good early on. Um, but he just didn't necessarily get a, an opportunity because we had great bigs in front of him uh, before that. But, um, but yeah, we didn't. But was there any part of you when they made that final four that was like, fuck, man, I wish I could finagle a year of eligibility. <laughs> was there any part of you that was a little salty? Like I put in these past four years and somehow now they're at the final four. Or were you just genuinely happy for the young guys? No, man, I was genuinely happy for those dudes. I uh, going to the after the after, after the uh, the first time we beat U of A when Nick Johnson missed that uh, the uh, the game winning shot. Immediately afterwards, uh, our media guy, it was either our media guy or Coach Guard actually was a current head coach. He was the assistant coach that actually added me to the team through the trial, but he uh, he pretty much pointed me out in the crowd and told me to, to to come on to the locker room. I stopped for a second, stopped in front of our band and directed us in our, uh, in our fight song. Uh, so I felt like I was a part of it anyway, to the same degree that I would have been when I wasn't playing to begin with. So uh, no, it was just awesome watching them the entire year, seeing, um, you know, seeing everybody develop, um, you know, seeing everybody mature. And I think it's, you know, I think it was actually better, better that way we we taught them what we needed to we taught them what we needed to and then they they ran with it and advanced the program to another uh another level well i was getting shot at by beanbags and tear gassed on university boulevard in tucson while you were directing the band (laughs) pretty similar experiences i guess but (laughs) i think that's the first time and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong you guys have some schwab like knowledge on sports at, at this point at this point, but I believe that's the first time that a school or a city has rioted when they lost as opposed to one. It wasn't even like a riot. There were like 300 <laughs> kids like just trying to go home from the bars essentially, and they blocked all the exits. So I mean, I it, was like the, the, it was like the fakest riot of all time. I just remember the tank guy that took on like four or five <laughs> yeah. shots from rubber bullets and just kept God. it moving. That was to, me to my ipad right now that's how far i was from that dude but yeah tucson's version of tiananmen (laughs) yeah yeah, right exactly (laughs) but i was gonna bring up uh greg guard because you and i have actually talked about this before uh you know a number of years ago when greg guard got the coaching job uh you were adamant that he was like that dude that he was the guy who deserved the job and uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you had really high uh, feelings about Greg Gard, even as it related to, you know, Bo Ryan or any of the other people that could have gotten that job. Absolutely. Now, you know, I might be I might lean a little bit towards bias, mainly because uh, coach. I mean, I have infinite love for Coach Gard, mainly because I had completely given up on playing basketball. I went to Wisconsin my freshman year on an academic scholarship and did like hadn't even thought twice about playing again. And then given that they had the the open tryout and he recognized me from being on the recruiting board years before when I was in high school and gave me that opportunity that still to this day, I go into an interview or I'm at a social gathering. And the second that you hear somebody went to Wisconsin or played sports at Wisconsin, it's just like a talking point that you can use. Like he opened up doors for me that I would have never imagined imagined possible. Um, But uh, yes, I mean, I was really glad that Coach Ryan, when he left, I think if he would have left, uh, in, if he wouldn't have left mid-season, 
in the previous offseason, we would have went on a coaching search and, and might have found someone else. But the fact that he left in the middle of the season gave Coach Guard the opportunity to actually show that he had that connection with the players, that he played a large role in recruiting a lot of these guys. And they had that that connection with him and that he could take he could you know take the program to that next level that it needs to go. And I think he's just actually, you know, the proof is in the pudding now. He's actually show, putting that um, he's putting that on display now. Yeah, man one coach of the year this year for the Big Ten. And can you tell us a little bit about Guard personally off the court? I mean, John Rothstein describes him as a silent assassin. Is he a silent assassin type or is he more of a jokester? Uh, I would uh, most of the jokes he tells you're not going to laugh at. So I think yeah, I think he leans towards being a silent assassin. Um, not I think he, he doesn't do it by choice, but I think uh, you realize he's not Bob Hope uh, anytime soon. Uh, he plays to his strengths. He knows the X's and O's. <laughs> he knows the X's and O's. He leaves the socializing to the to the players. So you and I both have some Wisconsin roots. Obviously, I didn't grow up in Wisconsin, but I have a ton of family from Wisconsin. We're both Packer fans, and they've li- released Jimmy Graham today. By the way, let's celebrate uh, about that. But so you went to Wisconsin on an academic scholarship. You're from the Milwaukee area, and then you played basketball at Wisconsin. I mean, that is straight up the wisconsin high school dream right there i mean you must be the man around here as people will call it when you head back to back back to the city there because i mean straight up going to madison is what every kid that grows up in wisconsin kind of dreams of correct me if i'm wrong yeah man last shot last time i checked it was a man on them streets no but (laughs) no but uh yeah man it was it was a humbling experience seriously like when i was so I went to basically a, a basketball factory high school, uh, Whitefish Bay Dominican. Like they just pump out, pump out people nonstop. Giannis, I'm pretty sure, sent a couple of his brothers there. Uh, like it's just known for being able to recruit, being able to pump out, pump out hoopers. Um, going from being on recruiting boards my junior year, suffering a pretty massive injury, dropping me from quite a few recruiting boards from mid-major to like uh, you know low low major schools. Uh, I knew from kind of around that time that I wasn't necessarily getting back to the player that I was going to be. And my parents always instilled in me that, you know, you need to always be flexing that brain, that brain muscle, because the second that you tear your ACL or second you break something, you're essentially cattle to a lot of uh, a lot of these programs. They don't necessarily have they don't give a shit from that point if you no longer bring anything uh, from the basketball front. So going to Wisconsin on that academic scholarship. Again, like I was saying, I had kind of like checked out on basketball. High school coach pretty much made me hate basketball. So I was just like, I'm over it. I'm gonna I'm gonna let loose. Had a very strict household. I'm gonna party and just like do what college kids do. Um, the my so my first semester, my freshman year, sorry, my first semester, my sophomore year, I get a text from um, Quentin Smith, shout out Q, who uh, who was a guy who's also from Milwaukee grew up playing with them, playing against them, et cetera. But he tipped me off. He said, hey, we had two freshmen get kicked off the team for stealing iPads out of the dorms, just being dickheads, uh, stealing iPads out of the dorms. There's going to be a tryout sometime soon, probably in the next few weeks. I know you've been going pretty hard. I highly suggest you just get in the gym, train, and like be ready for a tryout if you want to try out. So I took that, linked up with one of my buddies who played at a local D3, and from 7 p.m. to about 1 a.m. every night, we're just doing one-on-one drills, full court, getting my daily, basically my mentality is if I get my lungs right, I'll be good because I know I'm, I'll be better than just playing at the rec. I know 
half of, most of these dudes are trash. And like I can bust their ass in a trial, just be the first one in line, box out, like do all the Wisconsin shit that Wisconsin wants you to do, and you'll be you'll be all right. Um, so uh, fast forward, get to the tryout, and Coach Guard, out of all people, points me out in the the stretch lines. He's just like, hey, you're one of Wallersheim's boys, right? And that's my my high school coach's last name. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I remember you playing in Minnesota because I played against Royce White my uh, my was I think my senior year and just like locked him up uh, and we won the game. They were a pretty solid school. Uh, it was a big win for us. And he saw that he's like, oh yeah, like you won the Wallace boys. I remember you, yada yada yada. So in my head, I was like, dude, just as long as you don't fuck this up, you got the spot. So <laughs> me, seventy other guys, obviously. Boxing out every boxing out every rip, uh, getting back on defense first, just making the smart play, just playing that that good old fashioned white guy basketball that Wisconsin brand of basketball that Wisconsin likes to play. Uh, and yeah, I got a call two days later, and it was Coach Guard. I was in zoology. I was in zoology. Uh, he just I answered the phone. It's like, hey, this is James. Like, oh, aren't you supposed to be in class? It's like, bro, I've been waiting for two days to get this fucking call. Like, I'm sorry that I stepped out of class for a second to take this con- to take this conversation. Yeah, uh, he hoodwinked you. Yeah, so he's like, yeah, he was testing me. So he's just messing with me. He's like, no, seriously though, uh, that was one of the times where his one of his jokes landed. But um, he, uh, he just goes, yeah, coach, uh, coach Ryan wants to speak to you. Um, like, you're it's down to you and one other guy. Like, you just want to have like a personal interview. So I go in nervous as shit, obviously. Um, they just let me know that hey, like, we were actually looking looking for you on campus because we had heard that you were here. It's like, we want to see if you want to be a practice player, yada yada. And after the interview, it's like, yeah, like, I, we have no doubts that you'd be a solid addition. Don't try to be Michael Jordan because we know you're not. And uh, and uh, and yeah, you know. Go through the physical, etc. But yeah, I did have a, a splash. Like a lot of my homies back in Milwaukee were like, you know, this isn't just this wasn't just you making the team. Like this is bigger than you, bro. Like I, the area that we all grew up in and like came up in wasn't the wasn't the best. I'm not gonna make it seem like we all grew up in a trap house, but like we didn't have much. And to have like somebody one person make it, it was like an entourage type feeling. Like once Vince makes it, like we all made it. So. It was, uh, it was it was dope. That's an incredible journey right there, JD. So you mentioned trying out, getting on the court, playing against some of these other Wisconsin guys. Who was the toughest player that you had to check and vice versa? Who was the toughest player that checked you? This is in the tryout or are you saying in practice? Oh, once practice. you made the team. Oh, man. So I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with scout team. So – in scouting, regardless of the the school that you're imitating, I could be a six one speedster that can't shoot and just like drives right lane line every time he gets the ball, or I could be a six seven six seven shooter that pounds the offensive glass every single every single possession. So you have to kind of be a chameleon. So it ranges. Uh, I would say toughest guard t- uh, tied for first would be Trayvon Hughes and uh jordan taylor like and i hate that i'm saying this and hopefully jordan never watches this uh because i still talk shit that i could beat him in one-on-one no you gotta send it to him no hold on that's the only reason we had you on is to send it to these people come on man this Um, is a networking opportunity for us jd i got you i got you i plan on spamming you're our greg guard right now okay i'm spamming spamming the, the webs for you guys after this but but yeah i'd say trayvon hughes and jordan taylor for different reasons, 
uh, you know, Trayvon was just like one of the smoothest, that smooth New York flows. Like you don't know if he's going to change speeds, if he's going to snatch back on me and, and sh- shoot it in my face. Uh, if he's going to try to embarrass me this, this play just to make a point and like drive the momentum of practice. Um, and Jordan was just as strong as a fucking ox. So even if you stood on the train tracks, he's going to knock you down every single time to discourage you from, um, from stepping in front of him. So I'd say those two dudes for, for different reasons, but they're, they're tied for first for sure. So we talk about all the time about how specifically this year's Arizona team, because we're Arizona fan fans come across as kind of soft uh, to to novice or not novice, but people who didn't play college basketball like ourselves. Well, I don't know. I think we might be, we might be a little (laughs) deeper than casuals, but well in our own minds at least, but do you think there is a legitimate argument to that? The different areas of the country that produce different basketball players have different mentalities. And can you tell that when you pay play players, like you just brought up about how New York guy wants to just punish you every time. That's kind of the stereotypical East coast basketball player. Stereotypical West Coast player doesn't necessarily have that mentality. Do you think that there's an actual argument for that? Or do you think that's just all kind of media fodder or made up stuff that fans talk about? No, I think that there's a hundred percent truth to that. Uh, and just growing up playing AAU, like going to different, you know, regions of the country, you can t- definitely tell different brands of basketball depending on depending on where you're at. West Coast, nobody's gonna play any fucking defense, and there's gonna, you're gonna yeah, we know, we know. Gonna, okay, you're gonna shoot, you know, forty threes a game, and whoever outscore, they're gonna try to outscore you at the end of the day. They don't really, or at that time, they didn't really give a shit about playing were not known for defense um cats in chicago if you're playing in chicago no blood no foul and the refs act the exact same way you can get clothesline out of the air we're going the opposite way on a fast break uh new york's similar similar obviously uh very ball uh ball dominant point guards uh handle is always super right um uh, I'll say down south. I don't really have a categorization for 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 down south. Obviously, they got they got a lot of trees. They got a lot of versatile big men. Um, but but yeah, you can definitely tell a different brand of basketball. You can almost when you walk into a gym with somebody, even at LA Fitness to this day, you can see them play a game or run a game and kind of have a general idea of uh, of where they're from. So, do you find that same uh, situation in Wisconsin? Because like Milwaukee and Madison are very different cities. Milwaukee and the rest of the state are a lot are, are very different cities. Can you see a difference in mentality just within the state that you're from alone? A hundred percent. So, um, you know, coming from uh, southeastern 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 Wisconsin, you have you know Milwaukee Milwaukee racing. Uh, Kenosha isn't really known for basketball, but basically Milwaukee racing. You got guys like you know Nick Van Assel, uh, Karam Butler that have come out of there. Um, and then Madison, I don't really know how many Hoopers have come out of Madison, but I'll go back to Milwaukee with like Devin Harris and guys like Jerry Smith. Um, there's a there's a much more when you go up north to Sheboygan and you go up north to Beaver Beaver Dam and you're uh, in these areas, it's a much more calculated. They all are just replic- replicating step-by-step the swing offense that Wisconsin runs and everybody wants to be, every coach wants to be coach Ryan. Everybody wants to coach your team like coach Ryan, whereas more so in Milwaukee, where it's more of a run and gun, a more run and gun, um, you know, um, 
press you full court. We're in your face. We're talking shit. It's a little bit more gritty than, uh, well, I, I guess it's changed a bit with guys like Tyler Harrow and all that, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely, it was definitely a different brand back in, uh, back in the old days. <laughs> Sam Decker's from Sheboygan, right? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, so considering it is tournament time and you've been to a couple tournaments, right? What are some of the biggest differences that maybe the casual fan couch potato like us doesn't see in these tournament venues, in these tournament games that, they might have noticed when you're playing at the Cole Center. What are some of the biggest differences on the court or off the court? I don't think there's a – I think one of the major differences for a team is just the the turnaround time that you have to prep for the next opponent. Uh, there's not a ton of – I guess depending on where you are, there might be a little bit more of that home court advantage that I, I was talking about if you're playing against like a, a U of A – uh, but the games hosted in Tempe, like obviously they're going to travel well, et cetera. But outside of that, I mean, you're used to playing road games anyway. The main difference is the amount of time that you have from beating somebody to, okay, now this same, this same night or the very next morning, we have to get in, we have to get in film. We have to figure out tendencies of the next guys that we have as a, as a quicker turnaround that we typically would during the season. So I think this is probably my last question I have, but can you give us a good Bo Ryan's story that won't alienate too much of the fan base that loves him to death. No, you can alienate. I don't give a yeah, shit. Okay. I want to hear a good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I was just trying to be PC there. Just tell us all the shit you know about Bo Ryan. Uh, Whatever you're comfortable with, JD. <laughs> so we're live, right? Do we get to edit anything? Oh, no, we'll cancel this all out. Don't worry. Yeah, we, we promise. Um, Coach Ryan was an interesting dude. Um, <laughs> he was just like, I mean, like, I think from he's obviously a, a hilarious guy. I think like he, he has like that Nookie Thompson mentality growing up in Chester PA, like that, like old school, like mob, like approach to, to the game. Uh, and I think it, it shows in his like coaching style and just like holding people accountable, all that. Um, I'd say pers- my personal craziest story of coach Ryan was my fault. So the, uh, we had a day off slash film the next day. So one of my teammates and I, not to be named, uh, <laughs> decided to have a shot for shot contest uh, in the pregame. So we always talk shit about who could drink more. He's a lot larger than I, but I was more of a socialite. So uh, we we put it to the test. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're going shot for shot. Eventually, we end up. I think we end up tapping out of like twenty one shots in the pregame. We in the meantime, we've like wrestled and knocked a box of Cheerios, like like two boxes of Cheerios, like off into the floor in my in my kitchen. Uh, we head off to the next bar. I continue drinking. I do not think he continued drinking. Just for a point in the just to, to delineate the who took it more seriously. But um, I'm like dancing with girls at the bar, like. We go to the KK. Shout out to the KK. Uh, it's like our our main our main bar or like athlete slash sorority bar. Uh, I fall on my face while dancing with this girl. Get up, fall on my back while dancing with another girl. Get up, fall on my face again while I'm dancing with another girl. One of the bouncers they have, they don't kick me out because like I was just too there too much. He's like JD, I need you to lock it up. So I'm leaving this place getting drinked getting dragged by my feet, basically my arms, like over my two homies shoulders, 
Um, and we're walking past uh, Bratz, this bar that's on State Street. And I just go, you know what? I can walk by myself. Fuck that. I can run. So I take off running, trip over a tree trunk, and fall on my face without trying to catch myself with my hands. So <laughs> I did not know this because I was obviously blackout. But the next morning, I get up and my roommate's just like yelling. I'm just like, JD, what the fuck's going on? Like, there's Cheerios everywhere. Like, what were you guys doing? You guys are loud as fuck in the pregame. So I walk out to the kitchen to like clean up or whatever. He listens to me. He's like, you know what, bro? Are you okay? Like, what happened last night? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, did you get like beat up? I was like, no, nah, I didn't get beat up. So I go in the I go in the bathroom, and from my forehead all the way down to my chin is just a scab on my face. And I'm like, fuck, I got film in two hours. <laughs> I was like, although the first thing that comes to my eyes, my head is like, damn, I gotta talk to Coach Ryan in like two hours. So I'm sitting next to my buddy and like uh my teammate that I went out with the night before who clearly drank water after the, after the 21 shots, he's uh, just like laughing his ass off. I'm like, bro, just be cool. Like I'm, I came up with the perfect excuse. Coach Ryan comes in. He's like, JD, what the fuck? <laughs> just like, he's like, yeah, coach, it was mad icy outside. I slipped on my moped. Did it couldn't catch myself, and I just skidded for like half a block. Half a block. Do you think Bo Ryan like, knows what the fuck a moped is? I mean, every Wisconsin's like the most uh, outside. I think outside of Gainesville, we have the most mopeds on campus. Any other? Campus what? What a, what a nugget! What a nugget! So take that with you. Uh, but yeah, that was his immediate response. JD, what the fuck? So I was like, yeah, man, crash my moped later that day. We're supposed to have, sorry, uh, uh, that like a week later, we're supposed to have conditioning. And um, I actually crashed my moped, hit the median trying to take a right turn. I was horrible on mopeds, as you can tell, but hit the median and I fly for it. My moped probably cycles like three times and lands like a foot away from me, like could have crushed me type thing. I'm getting up, a cop's talking to me. I was like, yo, I just need to get to, I need to get to, to conditioning or uh, plyos because like I, I'm already on thin ice. Like I, I fucked up last week already. Like I'm not trying to get booted. I show up to plyos within the first like five seconds of stretching. Jay, uh, Coach Ryan just goes, crash your moped again, huh? Like we need to get that thing looked at. I was like, how the fuck did you know that even happened? So, so I learned from that, that coach Ryan sees everything. He probably didn't even believe me the first, the first uh, moped crash, but knew about the other one within like five minutes. I got to practice within five minutes of that happening. And he already knew. So that mob boss mentality of just like knowing everything um, really show, uh, was showing through in that, in that instance. Holy shit, man. That is good. That is a great story right there. You might have been the sole reason why why Bo was just like, fuck it, I'm done here in, in December. I kept a low profile for the for the for the main parts. When I was when I was there, I was locked in. I was playing whatever random ass role they needed me to play. But I had fun too. I had a I had an inkling that I might not be getting too much playing time. So I wanted to I went to uh be more of a social liaison of the Madison streets. Well, I mean, that's, that's very well put. Right what there. a title. What yeah. a title. That's, that's something that you like finesse the words on your resume. That's what you can put on your resume. Right yeah. There. That's definitely like a LinkedIn title right there. Yeah. So JD, you talk about the role that you played. You were the hype man. I mean, I've seen pictures of you after warmups or excuse me, after intros, you know, the huddle, the circle, you're in the middle dance. And what are some of the key components to getting the team hyped right before tip? 
Oh man, it's different for it's different for every guy, right? So some guys are from like smaller towns, so like just a, a little like a little like you know punch punch to the stomach salute type things. Like what what gets them going? You have other guys that are from uh, like similar areas in Milwaukee, uh, where it's just like yo everything was a you know nothing was given to us. It's always earned. Like we got to go get this shit. Like blah blah blah. Uh, it's different for every guy, but I think the main thing was like just having. The fact that I had relationships, like very close relationships, regardless of background with each of those guys, I just like tried to find a way to resonate with them, like maybe have like a, a pregame ritual with each person that um, that got them that got them in the zone uh, to go and get it done. So, you know, obviously you've played uh, with a number of, uh, you know, future NBA players you worked out throughout the summers and the seasons with a number of like NFL players, things like that are there. Is there anyone in particular from the teams that you played on that you keep up with more than others, or do you just kind of catch the guys around whenever they swing through LA or Phoenix or whatever city you seem to be moving around to? Uh, I'd say the person I'm, I'm closest with is probably Jordan Taylor. Like, even though he's overseas, like anytime he's he's back, like we'll make sure that we link up um, during the little off season time that he has. That was basically like that's my brother. Like that'll always be my brother. We we're roommates for we're roommates on campus so oh, we just have like a, a different type of a different type of bond other than that i'd say uh probably the most humble dude and dude that i just keep keep in touch with to make sure that he's all good and just uh is um john lure um less not talked about as much as the other guys that made it to the league in wisconsin but he's part of that kind of push of like Wisconsin big men can be versatile. They can, they can play a role in the league. They can do, they can really do some shit. Um, John's always been, you know, somebody that I've, I've kept in touch with. I'm actually looking forward to see where he ends up when he gets healthy. So let me be clear though, just so we can get this straight. Jordan Taylor can't beat you one-on-one still, right? <laughs> I have never beaten Jordan one-on-one, so I will not, I will not put that out there, but okay. as a grown ass, as a grown ass man with pride, I will never, I'll never admit that somebody will beat me consistently. They got to show me. Nobody beats JDY 77 times in a row at 101, right? <laughs> 70, maybe. 77, ain't, shit ain't happening, Jordan. So we've discussed stories with Greg Gard. We've talked a little bit about, I mean, great story with Bo Ryan. Have you ever met Barry Alvarez? Because he seems like such a cool grandpa. Have you ever met him? And do you have any stories with Barry? Barry's the fucking man. So uh, when you talk about like, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's a consistent nickname throughout the campus. I think it is, but he's the Don. He's the Don of Wisconsin. Like whatever, when when Barry says, whatever Barry says, like something's moving, something's, something's moving in that direction based off of Barry's instruction. And um, you could tell, I think the, probably one of the funnier Barry stories was when, we upset Duke at home um, and everybody just went nuts. The, the crowds, you know, stormed the court, all this. Somehow I ended up getting hoisted and like moved around. I'm on crutches at the time. So I'm just like uh, trying not to break my leg. But um, we get back to the, the locker room. Coach, Coach Ryan's giving like just passionate speech about, you know, all the work that you put in paid off. Like um, we still got a lot more. We still got a lot more to do. Like this isn't like the the – this isn't the only milestone that will hit type of type of speech. And uh, coach <laughs> and Barry just comes into the, into the locker room, just like on one, like super on one. 
uh, grabbing Coach Ryan around the around the shoulders, like fucking his hair up and like throwing it all over. It's like I hired this fucking kid from PA. Like nobody thought he was gonna amount to shit. I knew he was gonna. I knew he was gonna be the guy. And like, look, look what happened. So Barry might have had one or two sodas that night. Man, the sweater vest gang, I love. I mean, he's part of the sweater vest fraternity. Oh my god. Right, him, Jim Trestle, and uh, Rick Bird for former former uh, Belmont head coach. I love the sweater vest. He's pushing the envelope for damn sure. So I'm gonna let you get out on this one. I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. All right. So I like it. Whatever you got, let me know. Four names. Give me your Mount Rushmore, and they can be players and or coaches. Give me your Mount Rushmore of Wisconsin basketball. Woo! Players and coaches. Whoever you think. I'm saying it doesn't have to be limited to players. Players and coaches. Hmm. I might just stick with players because it's just – there's a ton of – I mean, you have to throw – you have to throw Frank Kaminsky in there, win an award winner. That's like a given. So that's a given. Uh, Devin Harris, like that's just a person – one of my personal favorites growing up in Milwaukee, seeing him come through the AAU circuit um and just becoming the man having a, a you know an amazing run in the nba as well showing that wisconsin guys could go from playing in that program and be effective in the league um whoo man i don't want to piss anybody off obviously coach ryan he's in the he's you have to throw me when you think of wisconsin basketball and the turnaround that the that the program uh that the, the turnaround that the program went through um um, he was at the forefront of that and he really pushed the envelope to, to take us to that, to that next level. And I got to throw my boy Jordan in there. I can't, I can't exclude my home. I can't exclude the home. I throw Jordan in there. Um, just his, his ability to quarterback, uh, to be a quarterback out there and keep everybody on the same page, vocal leader, leader in the locker room, never did anything wrong, you know, off, off the court. Um, just like an example, example for the younger generation of point guards, like, like Trice, like you see a guy's like a carbon copy of Jordan that he really provided like a template for people to, to follow. And then I'd say, uh, honorable mention, I got to throw my boy Decker in there, the slim reaper. I was really hoping for a Mike Bruzewitz, uh, to get tossed up there, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I I'll wait. I'll wait till next time. Maybe on a, a, a satirical top five best hairdos. Hey man, Bruce bag had the best locker room dance i think i've ever seen where you think you got it baby (laughs) (laughs) jd you are on our mount rushmore of guests for sure so i appreciate you hopping on the program and appreciate you sharing a lot of these stories we'll be obviously following wisconsin and uh, seeing how they do in the tournament man thank you yeah feel free to hit me up anytime man it's been a pleasure go badgers All right, we want to thank JD again for hopping on the program and sharing some of his memories at Wisconsin and giving some of his predictions as well. Uh, Without any further ado, though, let's go ahead and get into segments. Before we do that, a quick message from Zach at the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, it is twit time and hug time. We haven't done this week in Thetan in quite some time, actually. So uh, it's March. It's not like we're scraping for any any theater in in the past. So twit Yukon Yukon had Kemba Walker and also Jalen Adams hit two incredible uh, conference tournament shots. So we'll start with the Kemba shot. I think that's ingrained in everyone's memory. The Kemba shot over Gary McGee 
I, you know what the craziest thing is to me about that? And I, I think I learned this or maybe was reminded of this this past year is that the shot was in the quarterfinals. I thought I, for, for the longest time, I thought that shot was to win the Big East tournament. I thought it would, might have been a semifinal to send them to the Big East final. That was in the quarterfinals, and then they ripped off eight straight to go and win the national title. And then, of course, Jalen Adams, after their move to the American Athletic Conference, Jalen Adams hits a three-fourth or a quarter-length shot uh, to tie Cincinnati and force a fourth overtime. UConn just fucking loves playing these million overtime games. If you remember, they had a seven-overtime game against Syracuse. They go to four overtimes, uh, and they win both of these games, by the way. Kemba defeats Pittsburgh. Since uh, he loses to UConn and Jalen Adams. Uh, and actually another little nugget. I was watching stuff today with John Rothstein. He had Steve Peichel on. Can you believe Steve Peichel is actually a recruit of Jim Calhoun's? He's one of Calhoun's very first recruits. How fucking old is Calhoun? I had no idea. Oh, he's like, where, where, what school is he at now? Like St. Thomas or something? Just coaching random basketball, D3 and, basketball. And Joe's D3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey, right. Yeah. So, you know, that camp, yeah, that Campbell run is kind of like, I, I don't know, like the Christian Leitner shot in a, in a way where it's like that only happened in the Elite Eight or the Sweet Succeed or whatever, the Christian Leitner one. That shot by Kemba only really started their run. I only think it was the third win of the 11 they rolled off in a row uh, to win the, the national title that year. Because uh, they played in pretty much the the games that would be going on right now on a Wednesday afternoon in the Big East tournament. Uh, they played DePaul in the first round, and then they played Georgetown in the second round, which are on like nondescript days. Both games were at at like noon during the middle of the day. So uh, yeah, it, it's definitely remembered for being something you would think was on like prime time on a Saturday night. Like, no, it was on, like, a Wednesday. Well, a Thursday, I guess, the, the quarterfinal. Yeah, a w- Thursday afternoon, essentially. A lot of interesting just, nuggets from that shot. Shark, what are your thoughts on the Kemba shot? I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering why Brad Wanamaker wasn't matched up with Kemba on that. And you got the mismatch with Gary McGee. And obviously, Wanamaker and Kemba are teammates now. But Wanamaker's a good on-the-ball defender. I mean, what the hell, man? Last shot of the game. <laughs> Slap the floor. Let's go. Let's go, Wanamaker. Did they get a switch or something on a pick and roll? I they must have. But that yeah. video is so hilarious how he break, breaks his ankles right there. One, one, just <laughs> well, the, cra- the crazy part too is if you look at their next two games in the Big East tournament, they went to overtime with Syracuse, and then they only beat Louisville by three. So I, I mean, they could have obviously, you know, they went on and they only beat they beat Arizona in the lead eight by two, and they beat Kentucky in the final four by one. It's so it comes down to pretty much just having a, a guard that could make one extra bucket more than everybody else because that their run could have ended like six times across the eleven game streak that they had. Yeah, but just pretty, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah, right. Pretty terrible tournament that year too. Do why, you remember the final? Yeah, Butler UConn. Why that was just, one of the worst shooting performances I've seen from any single game. Should have Corona that tournament right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Butler scored 41 points in the final. Actually, it was just on like ESPN Classic or something the other day. Just watch this. Off, just a just a horrific game. That's an awful. Yeah, it was. It was one of those deals where it wasn't a blowout, but it also wasn't close, and it was just an ugly game. 
It, was, would, it wasn't any thrilling moments during that game. Matt Howard on Butler, right? We got to wear MI Matt Howard. Remember him? Yeah, I actually big... tried where am I where am I Matt Howard. He's actually on Twitter. Oh, good. I, I think he's still I think I looked into that too. Isn't he still playing somewhere? He might be. I think he, he is. Might, I, I think that's why I didn't choose him one time. Logue played on the same, I think, either AAU team or middle school team as Matt Howard. Wow, there you go. Matt uh, Howard can carve out a career. He's the quintessential guy that is sticking around. You're like, how's he here? Locker so room slow. guy. One, so slow. <laughs> one more note about UConn's run that year is uh, the highest seed they played in the tournament was San Diego State. Oh, uh, was that the quad team? Sweet 16. Uh, I believe so, but that they played two seeds, San Diego State, and that was the highest. They played five, a 14, a six, a five, a four, and an eight other than number two, San Diego State, to get to the final. Well, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's no it's no secret that UConn has had some happy times here in March, so that's your This Week in Feet. Jalen Adams with a quarter-length shot, and then, of course, the Kemba shot. Shark, I'm going to pass it to you for hugs. You feeling generous at all tonight? Yeah, I'm going to just go to the hug that I initially had planned, and it's going to be for Marcus Zagorowski. I've been tweeting about a little bit the fact that he got injured. Um, he's getting knee surgery done for a meniscus. They're not saying whether it's torn or not, but, like, come on, meniscus in your right knee. You're going to be playing in a tournament without any fans there. Uh, you can play at the next level. You're one of the most efficient guards in the country. Don't play. Don't play Zagorowski. Meniscus is our – it's easy to say, oh, it's not torn or whatever, but like, you know, Darius Geis was out for six weeks with a meniscus this year. It happens with players all the time at the NFL. There's no, it's not worth risking your career over, especially when you got a future. Uh, he's missing the Big East tournament. I expect Creighton to not play well without him because he is there. And, and it always is unfortunate to see that happen. Um, Jades of the knee injury back in 14. Sucks. You want to wax poetic? Any any time spent on the Providence hyenas coming after you, or just no, save for I don't, a different day based on this? Yeah, because the accusation is, you know, we're intentionally poking them with a stick so that we can get people to talk about us, and it's preposterous. The tweet I sent out was about George Niang and Marcus Zagorowski. One of those hyenas comes into the mentions and says, "But what about Providence?" And I responded saying, "Ed Cooley's one in five in the NCAA tournament." And then another hyena comes in and says, "Oh my God, you're just trying to intentionally you know, get us going," and it makes no sense you're an idiot all right like the, the, that whole fan base like someone else give a hug I'm, i i don't want to talk all right well so i'll hop in here so i'm going to try and be positive here some more and um we're going to shout out since this is a dayton podcast uh i'm going to shout out that dayton is already riding in the streets police had to respond last night to uh the same area that uh our boy Logan Norris uh, used to party, and they're on Low Street in Dayton to an over 1,000-person riot that was happening after Dayton canceled classes for the rest of the week or for the foreseeable future. So I can only imagine what that area is going to be like as the tournament goes through here. But a uh, hug for Dayton University already starting off March Madness before the tournament has even begun. Or University of Dayton, excuse me, not Dayton University. I apologize. My hug is actually going to tie back to one quick thing that you had mentioned earlier in the show, Taylor. You had mentioned the CBI. My hug is for the seniors on those shitty teams because the CBI is canceled. That sucks. No note on the NIT just yet. 
Obviously, we've spent the entire first half of the program talking about the NCAA, but the CBI canceled. So guys like Hanif Cheatham, who's been around the block, I don't even know if Nebraska was going to get a CBI invite. I think they have like eight wins on the season. I don't know what the qualifications are. But you think of guys like that, who you've been hearing about for the past five years, they want to cap off their career with any sort of postseason play, any sort of extension of their collegiate career. That's no more. So hug for seniors on shitty teams. And you know what? I'm going to give one more additional hug to every one of us because we're hurting right now. We will power through, but hug to all the theater goers, hug to everyone that loves the tournament. This is going to be a different one uh, and most likely a worse, worse tournament to watch, but we appreciate you sticking with us. And next time you're you're going to hear from us, we're going to have a bracket, fellas. We will have a bracket this time next week. Cannot wait to break it down. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Whatever. Yes, I will go back to school and achieve victory. No man will take what my father has built unless that man is me. Don't I have a nice rack? Veronica, I thank you for beating the shit out of me. I see things so clearly now. I choose my destiny. Oh, Billy, I knew you had it in you. We're here to help you, Billy. Get back in school today. You gotta work real hard. me. I bet you thought that I was dead. But when I fell over, I just broke my leg and got a hemorrhage in my head. <laughs> there are obstacles in the world.